Now back to Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM. Welcome back to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. And it is a pleasure to have with us here on the show, Wanda Nenebush. She is a curator, artist, and educator. And she is, of course, a curator with the Indigenous Art at the Art Gallery of Ontario. And we're going to be talking to her about the AGO has their the new exhibit for Robert Huell, Red is Beautiful, which is on until April the 18th of 2022. Oh my goodness, Wanda, every time I say 2022, I can't believe it. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> nice to hear from you. Likewise, and I'm so glad you were able to join us and uh, talk to us about this and other things, because you've had uh, quite a career, you know, as I look over some of the things that you have done uh, throughout your career. You're also uh, an author. You've got the book of Violence No More, A Rise of Indigenous Women. Um, So besides being the curator for Indigenous Art at the Art Gallery of Ontario, Prior to that, uh, you had uh, various curatorial and academic roles. How, how, how is it different, uh, and is it different to start to use the tools that you have accumulated over the years and try to, try to bring something like this to life, like, a, like a, an exhibit for an artist like Robert Houle? Oh, for sure. It probably takes all the skills. <laughs> hmm. <Right>. um, <laughs> yeah, it was uh, something we were thinking about a couple of years ago. Robert really wanted to have a retrospective, 50-year retrospective before he turned 75. Mm. So I was able to make that happen at the AGO. He's still 74, so we just (laughs) made it in under the wire. (laughs) And um, yeah, he's had, if you can imagine how much work he's created over 50 years, Mm. you have to go through it all and figure out what are the key pieces, um, what kinds of stories do you want to tell, um, what have people not seen yet? Mm. You know, all of that kind of goes into the decision-making process. Wow. And um, for the title, it just kind of came when I was thinking about his first work that he ever sold, The Red is Beautiful. Mm. For me, you know, we often talk about ourselves as red, you yeah, know, in yeah. some kind of way. And um, we've really kind of appropriated that term. Mm. Um, and I think a lot about the red power movement. Mm-hmm. You know, in the 60s and 70s and um, all the kind of things that Robert has done in his lifetime to to make museums and galleries and the general public more aware of of Indigenous histories, resistance movements and um, art. So when you, as you're describing that and describing him and describing his life and thinking about uh, the title that it came to you, just came out of this, and thinking about all those things that he has been involved with, it sounds like it's a wonderful education for you to look at that and to study his life and see the things that he's been involved with. But what, what, what did you learn from the process of going through this? I think that at the time that Robert started his work, um, in some ways, he wasn't embraced fully mm. because he was doing something a little radical for that time. Mm. But as I went through it, it's like it's almost like we've caught up to him. And now, mm. you know, now everyone understands what his project was, mm. you know. So I think, um, you know, we were caught in that bind and we still are in some ways between what is considered um 
assimilation, what is considered to be Native, what is considered to be authentic, what is considered to be Indigenous art. And he kind of really exploded all those categories. And so that was kind of scary at first, I think, for people. And now now we like the freedom that he created. So I think mm. I learned a lot about, you know, never never kind of falling into a camp or something like that, really understanding where people come from, mm. why they make the decisions they make and understanding it from in who, from within who they are mm. it's without judgment. Mm. And like you said, off the top, you wanted to do something retrospective for him before he turned 75. So you must have had a lot of conversations with him around this as well and explored. And as you say, it's daunting to go through all the work that he has done, try to figure out what, what needs to be shown, what hasn't been shown. How difficult was it to an understanding of, of what you wanted to show and, and in the way that you laid it out uh, throughout the, the exhibit? Um, well, for me, I work intensely, intuitively, mm -hmm. and I trust my dreams and I trust my instincts. Um, so I never find it that hard, actually, okay. because mm -hmm. I don't approach it like an art historian. Mm -hmm. I approach it maybe more like an artist would, I think. Mm. Um so I usually, you know, I'll have a dream of a room and I'll be like, oh my goodness, these works would look so amazing together, <laughs> you know, and I really wanted to place, for example, like Kanata mm. with Awinda Mawin, we were told, because it's like between 1992 mm. and, you know, 2017, um, this is his thinking around the same work. So mm. you want to see like what, what has changed mm -hmm. from one to the other. Right. And by the time we get to now, you know, he's erased all of the, all of the kind of British French references and, and soldiers and everything. And all your, all you have is this uh, Delaware, or it could be any native person, really. Um, I always think of them as niche when I'm looking because I'm <laughs> niche centric. Right. Um, but, you know, looking out to the Atlantic Ocean mm. and the, the, you know, the grass is green and everything is pure and pristine. Mm. Um, so it always makes me think about one, the prophecies mm. and how we knew um, what was coming. Um, but at the same time, thinking about what has happened to the earth and like, have we really learned enough such that we can go back to mm. like caring for the earth in that way that happened before the ships came across, mm. you know, that water. So. Things like that, you know, like uh, things will come in pairs or or they'll come in um, the vision for a whole room or they'll come in the sense of the feeling of a color, like red, for example. Mm -hmm. When you say Ganada, I actually spoke with him about that one specifically as well and pointed out that um, that because it was a Lenape or, or a Delaware person in in there uh, that was uh, was identified as such, I thanked him because I said, that's my heritage. It's it's Lenape. You don't hear much about the Lenape, so it's great to, no, it's you know, to see him in there. Yeah. I went to the first Lenape um, uh, powwow in New York City. Mm. Um, a few years ago, right. and it was the first time all the different um, nations had sent people to New York to sort uh, of reclaim that territory, I yeah. guess, and have have a gathering. Yeah, it was so moving; I like bet. people were yeah. crying. Oh, I yeah. was deeply moved by yeah. by that experience, and I got to sit in with all the elders who were having like a gathering. Oh, it was just incredible. Wow! Thanks for sharing that. That's good to nice to hear. When you are, are setting up the rooms and you're putting stuff together. 
the names that you choose or, or how it is described, is that something that Robert decides or is that something that you work on with him or is that something that's uh, taken out of words that are there? How does that, how does that come about? So usually I look at all the works and themes mm-hmm. will pop up out mm-hmm. of the works. And so you start grouping things together in these themes. I wrote out um, all the themes and then descriptions underneath. And then I gave it to Robert. And then we met afterwards over drinks um, to talk about them. And he he was actually quite moved mm. and said that I seem to have really understood his work. And so that was a huge compliment. I bet. Um, oh, that's what you want. Sure. You definitely don't want an artist to go, you don't understand me right. at all. And then they do have to get more involved because maybe you don't understand their work, you know? So it's always kind of a scary thing when yeah. you present your ideas to the artist, because you're also saying like, do I understand you? Do I not understand you? Right. You know, to them. Yeah. I can well imagine that would, would have felt like a big weight lifted off your shoulders. having him say yeah. That he and I, I, yeah. We write the texts. Um, and we have editors that go through them and then they try to change the text for accessibility to mm. all audiences. Mm. So things aren't totally in my words, but you know, they change, but with his, I held on to quite a few of my mm. own words because right. it's important. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, when you think about this exhibit, red is beautiful. It takes you a while before you actually get to that painting. Red is beautiful. Yeah. It's at the end. Yeah. <laughs> Um, which was which was great because I'd actually forgotten about it by the time I got there, and then it was like, oh yeah, right. This is what I was. This is what the exhibit's named after. And I was surprised about the size of it, you know, because I was expecting something much much bigger. Mm-hmm. Well, he created it in 1970. Yeah, and I think a lot of artists, um, you will find this that their early work is much smaller, mm. and they because it when you do larger work, it takes more money, it takes more right. skill, it takes uh, confidence. You know, all of that. So I think you will see an artist's career that things do get often get larger over time. Right. So early things are, 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 you know, often smaller. Yeah. But I also think that um, size doesn't always matter. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) And there's um, also, I was thinking about time. Mm. So usually when you go in an exhibit, often you will start at the beginning of a person's career and you'll walk through different aspects of their mm. career to the end. What I did was I wanted to create a circle. So you you walk through the exhibit and you come to his early work at the end. Mm. And then you can go back through the entire exhibit again mm. from the early work. Right. And so it kind of creates a circle. Right. A loop. Yeah. So, Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was interesting also because it, when you get there and you see Red is Beautiful, it, it's not like it's isolated on its own. It's part, it begins that wall and then it runs down that wall and it's it's just part of, of some of the other pieces that it flows into. Yeah. Um, he was grappling with, um, we call that room sacred geometry. Right. And it has a really nice kind of meditative feeling in that room. It's mm-hmm. different than all the other rooms. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's kind of grappling with modern geometry um, which he calls like, he said it was too masculine, you know, as mm. Nishnabe, we come from a yeah. kind of more female centered right. universe. Right. And yeah. especially with the earth and the way that we value women. And, um, so he needed to look elsewhere for inspiration. And so he looked to weaving patterns and beadwork patterns and things like that, um, to do his geometry. Right. And, um, I think that's why it's just quite beautiful. And red is beautiful. It is not 
you know, the most significant work he's done. Mm, <laughs> like, right. so you can't put it all on its own. Right. It's just the title is awesome. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. Uh, just want to let everyone know that you're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. This is Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. And my guest here on the show is Juana Nanabush. She is the uh, curator at the Art Gallery of Ontario for Indigenous Art. We're talking to her about uh, an exhibit now on. It is called Red is Beautiful, Robert Cool, and uh, sort of this retrospective of his work. And it's on until April 18th of 2022. So you can go and check it out. Uh, please do look into it. I don't think you'll be disappointed. And um, this is sort of a, a, a second part of a conversation because I did... I was, in fact, uh, able to speak with Robert, and it was a pleasure to speak with him about this exhibit. And now we have Wanda here to talk about her her involvement with this. Red is beautiful, as you pointed out. It's an early work. And it was really interesting to talk with him about how his his interest, he got interested in the spirituality of color. And mm-hmm. that was that part of a time when he was looking into that. And you see that throughout many parts of the exhibit, uh, his use of color and and sort of uh, panels of color. And I found that really interesting because it gives you a, a different idea about why is that panel there? What what, what does this mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he definitely is definitely has these what we call color field paintings and um You'll see them all through, sometimes very flat, sometimes very textured, mm. sometimes thick. Yeah. So it all depends on the work. But um, when you think about pure color, it has it, it has emotive qualities. It has spiritual qualities. It has all kinds of things. It invokes um, bodily reactions. It can invoke memory. Mm. So I think that that's, that's what he does as a colorist, which is one of the other meanings of Fred is beautiful. He's a brilliant colorist and Mm. he works in oil, which is a very difficult medium. So when you see his colors and you see how incredibly skilled he is at creating them, Mm -hmm. um, and you can just, you know, never worry about whether you understand it, you know, just feel, just feel the color. Yeah. The other thing that comes to mind is when I spoke with him, I found out that he only works with natural light. He doesn't use any sort of artificial light to paint. And mm-hmm. not being an artist, I can't really uh, uh, truly appreciate what that means and how it would affect what he does and how he sees the color uh, you know, through that lens and, and how that affects what he brings to his finished work as well. Can you add anything to that? Well, when you're mixing colors and you're painting, mm. um, it's a lot like when you when we made the catalog, for example, mm. you know, trying to match colors mm. from print to something that's a painting. Um, light impacts it. Right. So, you know, a red will look completely different in different lights. Mm. So natural light allows him to see the actual kind of natural qualities of the colors and pigments he's working with. Mm. Yeah. Whereas other lights will, will, they actually add in, um, they change the color. Right. So it reminded me of the, the time that he, in 1990, uh, when the uh, Guyan Gehaga resistance was on, or mm-hmm. the open crisis, as some people call it, yep. he put up these four colorful banners in his yes. Queen Street apartment. Yes. And they had like words like sovereign and yep. and false face and land claim mm-hmm. on them um, facing out to Queen Street. So all the Trentonians would be walking by and 
wonder what what's that it is mm-hmm. and he did it as an act of solidarity right. um but then realized like he had no natural light to paint yeah so for 78 days he couldn't paint and so he actually right. um got into uh, printmaking at that time mm. you know when you say that how did you work with the lighting because these were painted in natural light uh but of course they're being shown under artificial light um so how did you guys work with with those elements throughout this yeah, I there uh, we have a, some amazing lighting designers at the AGO, and I was working with Paul uh, in particular on this one. He's one of my favorites because he um, he comes from film film mm-hmm. background, and okay. so do I. Right. And so film has a different kind of uh, more dramatic sense of lighting mm-hmm. and more atmospheric. So uh, we worked really hard to make sure that the artwork um, is shown in its best light. Right. To put it <laughs> bluntly, I guess. Um, yeah. And also so that each room would have a kind of mood and a feeling. Mm. Um, so you can stay and, and contend with the artwork. Right. But yeah. We, we can't have natural light on artwork in a gallery. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Um, so you have to recreate the feeling. <laughs> Because there are rooms specifically dealing with with points in history, um, yeah. uh, and uh, you know the upper wash. We see the upper wash at Oka. You mentioned, I believe, and uh, the premises for self rule, uh, mm. which I spoke with him about. And you know the other thing, the one it's a it's a, it's a wall to stretch, and it's everything you ever wanted to know about Indians from A to Z. Yeah, yeah, that's an early work from mm. the eighties, and um, it's like a. They are parfleches, mm-hmm. like or ideas of parfleches, not an actual parflesh in the in the, in the bag sense, mm, right? <laughs> Hide sense. Um, but inside each one, there is a painting that, and they're they're hidden. So I think that's interesting because, um, you know, if a say say a medicine man has has their parflesh for a certain ceremony or something like that, you would only it would only be opened on that occasion. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Right. And so these uh, parfleshes, Indians A to Z, are only opened on a special occasion. So, for example, we did a private thing where he opened the W for my mm. name and showed mm. me the painting mm. inside. Mm. It was really kind of sweet, you know. Mm. Um, so things like that. Um, and then on the top, you see all the nation names from A to Z. Yes. And a lot of them have changed, right? Because right. we've really recuperated our original names mm-hmm. now. Um, but at the time he did it, these were names that we were known by. Right. Um, but yeah, he's he's always trying to recuperate our names. So we're not Indians, right? We're mm-hmm. Anishinaabe, we're mm-hmm. Lenape, you know, we're mm-hmm. Haudenosaunee. So I think that's what that work is really about. And then the, the painting inside is almost like our secret you know, <laughs> gifts that we hold. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. And then uh, you have the, 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 I guess there's another area that continues on with that. You've got the, the, the part flashes for the, the last supper uh, painting. Mm-hmm. too. Yeah. He's really worked a lot with the part flesh, um, especially cause he's a prairie boy. Mm. <laughs> I think that's part of it too. Um, but I always think like modernism like white white modernism is all about taking everything out so till you just have paint lines you know this kind of thing uh surface of the canvas whereas his parfleshes the idea of the parfleshes is almost like putting everything in you know mm-hmm. content and meaning and um 
the even the quill work that you see, you'll see little quills inside the parfleches for the Last Supper. Yeah. So things like that, I think, is what he's he's on about. You know, there's there's a couple of really dramatic statements. Um, I, I think it's in the, it's in the uh, the one I was just telling you about, where uh, a premises for self rule, and at the very end, when you get to the last panel, you see that that quote from the first prime minister of Canada about uh, indigenous people, and uh, takes your breath away to to see that beside his name. Yeah. There's, um, yeah, Sir John A. Macdonald. Yeah. That was his statement about us in residential school. Yeah. And like, um, the violence that residential school was. And Robert went, you know, for, mm-hmm. for elementary school and high school. So that, that room is actually the, it's called the Sandy Bay uh, Residential School Series. Yeah. So there's like a, almost like a schoolroom feeling in there. You yeah. have wood paneling that's been painted blue. Yeah. And then he's done these paintings of some of the more um, hard and violent experiences he's had. Mm-hmm. And then there, there are words in Anishinaabemowin above or Soto mm-hmm. in his dialect. Yeah. And um, they say words like, you know, Anishinaabe or sleeping or things like this um, mm-hmm. moments that are natural in our lives, you know, and should be uh, fear free. But they aren't when yeah. you're living in a residential school. Yeah. So in each of those rooms, you'll notice that I have included, um, like in that room right beside that horrible quote, the violent quote, yeah. is the grandmother drum yeah. on a gold wall. Mm-hmm. So there's always a sense of our healing in there. Yeah. And then to mm-hmm. the right of that quote is the um, transforming blue thunder, mm. which is like this figure transforming between like a bird, an eagle or a thunderbird and a uh, man. Right. And you'll see a little can at the bottom with his paintbrushes. Mm-hmm. And so you get a sense that it is um, a kind of a self-portrait. And that's the most uh, recent work in the show, 2021. He made it during mm. COVID. Mm. And so I always try to include some some works of power, spiritual power and healing in those rooms when you're going to be addressing some of the violence we have experienced. Right, right. Uh, thanks for sharing that. That's good to know and, and much appreciated. The other one that really stood out to me about uh, just little lines that were very strong is, uh, you know, do not open until you get home. Uh, mm. Yikes, you know, yikes. Yeah, so that's um, dealing with General Amherst and the smallpox blanket. Mm-hmm. So. There's in that room, the Palisade room, there's also, you can read on the wall, the letter that General Amherst actually wrote, which um, proves that they used um, smallpox blankets as a form of warfare. So that's what that piece is about. And then there's like the other quote is like, I will stand in your path until dawn, Mm -hmm. which is above the the 1947 Pontiac, the real Pontiac we have in the show, which is so cool. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. that one's like the power of Pontiac and what yeah. he had to say and all the forts that he was able to take, the seven forts, including mm-hmm. Detroit, and the power that he had in trying to build a confederacy against, you know, colonialism yeah. and against land theft. Right. So, yeah. You know, when you mentioned uh, going through the, the area for a residential school, uh, I did notice the wainscoting uh, right away, only because... I uh, I had a business set up at the Woodland Cultural Center uh, for mm-hmm. over ten years, and prior to when they closed, made us all leave because it was leaking, and and they were they wanted to 
renovate it anyway and turn it back into a museum. But because so I was very familiar with the inside of the building. Yeah, it's part of it's part of the memory of mm-hmm. that experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my mom went to the mush hole, so mm. wow, experienced that wainscoting firsthand. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, we well, beautified. He beautified it, though. You know, by painting he did. It blue. Uh, he did, and I asked him about that exact thing. I said, "Was that the color that was in there?" And he said, "No, no, that was just a you know a choice I made." Um, so. Because I thought, yes, it does. It does. Um, may I ask where your, where, uh, your mom, what your home community is? Oh, Beausoleil First Nation, Christian Island. Okay. Okay. Mm. You know, what's interesting. When I was uh, actually clearing the space, because my, my office space was actually in the, the women, the girls dormitory area. That's where it was. And oh when I was goodness. cleaning up that area, um, I was sweeping the floor and I heard voices and I, I stopped sweeping and I looked around and a woman was, came in uh, with a grandchild and she said, I used to sleep right over here. And oh. yeah, and she said, and I saw, so of course, I started talking with her and, um, and she said, I can only come in, in here because uh, I, I've got the strength of my granddaughter with me, you know? Oh, yeah. I know. yeah. I was in London actually. Um, and I was uh, chatting with an elder who's Lenape actually. And mm. she was saying, she, she was like, Hey, aren't you Caroline's daughter? <laughs> and I said, yeah. She's like, I went to residential school with her. <laughs> and so then we had a big long conversation because my, my mom would never talk about it. Right. Not up. Not a word. Yeah, yeah. Yep. You know, it yep. was. She just wanted to forget about it and move on. Yeah, yeah. Wanda, it's been a real pleasure speaking with you. I want to say Anyao and Chimigwech for joining us on the show and and sharing this about Robert's uh, exhibit on at the Art Gallery of Ontario until April. 18th of 2022 red is beautiful is what is what it is entitled and uh, you can find out more by going to the ago and of course uh, getting tickets don't forget there are protocol uh protocols in, in involved because of covid 19 uh so these are timed schedule uh, uh things that you can you you walk through so uh please keep that in mind if you're thinking of checking that out uh, Wanda, anything else you want to add about that or things people need to be aware of uh, no, that's all good. I think you can see the keynotes and all the Indigenous artists talks that we had for the opening weekend on abaquad.com. So A-A-B-A-A-K-W-A-D.com. All right. Sounds good. Um, as I say, Gwech, and uh, appreciate your time and congratulations to you and uh, all the best in the future. Thanks so much, David. All right. You take care. You too. All right. Bye. That is the voice of Wanda Nanabush. She is the curator uh, of Indigenous Art at the Art Gallery of Ontario. And we were talking to her about Red is Beautiful, the Robert Houle exhibit, which is on right now at the AGO. Thanks for listening to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. Make sure you tune in tomorrow because there's going to be more right here on Moment of Truth. This has been Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM.